Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert mirage. It's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington. Well, welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to be joined by Greg Young. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We're uh, doing a little role reversal here with uh, you doing the hosting and me uh, in the hot seat firing away my takes. Well, you know, I just wanted to get back in that captain's seat. It's been a long time, so uh, <laughs> it feels nice. So appreciate you. There you, you go. Uh, there you go. I'll be the uh, Nicholas Backstrom to your Alex Ovechkin. That's That sound good? Well, it would sound good if... Uh, if Ovechkin wasn't, uh, you know, not allowed to play any more hockey. So let's, I'll be the let, Nicholas Backstrom to your Jakob Vrana, I guess. I don't, I don't even know. Like, yeah, <laughs> I guess John Carlson maybe would be the guy you would think of there. Huh? Maybe it's, it's, it's going to be a rough little bit here for the Capitals. And news coming out today that uh, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Orlov, and Samsonov are all going to be out. Um, due to corona, breaking coronavirus protocols, um, but it is associated with a positive test for Samsonov, um, and it's looking like Ovechkin and Kuznetsov, or, excuse me, and Orlov are all going to be out at least four games. Greg, what are your kind of first thoughts on this? I mean, things were already going kind of rough for the Capitals over the last two games, and now, and now this. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of thoughts. I think. Let me just kind of go over the timeline here, because I think my mood swung pretty drastically throughout this, as I think a lot of the Caps fan base's moods did. Because the news comes out yesterday, and we don't really know exactly what happened. We just know that the Caps have been fined $100,000, which I think is the first COVID-related fine of the year. So you figure, okay, something's not great. And then you see the Elliot Friedman tweet saying the Capitals' COVID list, uh, their COVID exposure list is TBD. And you're thinking, this isn't great. And then you see that it's uh, the, you know, the Russian four of Orlov, Ovechkin, uh, Samsonov, and uh, Kuznetsov. And you're thinking, wow, this is really not good. And like, what the heck did they do? This is, uh, I were they out at a bar? Were they like, who knows what they were doing? And we've seen capitals, different capitals players, Instagrams of them being in various states of uh pandemic ignoring bliss, I guess you would say. Uh, so you're like, okay, this isn't great. And then the news comes out that, no, it turns out what they were doing was they were in a hotel room together unmasked, uh, which is technically in violation of the NHL protocols. So I think for me, my thoughts are, I think a lot of like parties share blame in here. I mean, first off, you have to blame Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, uh, Orlov, and Samsonov. I mean, these rules are annoying, yes, but we're in the middle of a global pandemic. 400,000 people have died from this. And I know it's annoying, but you would hope that they could at least gather enough kind of sympathy for fellow man to at least pretend to understand the rules. And on top of that, ignorance isn't really a huge defense here because... As uh, Kuznetsov said in a previous interview, he understood what the rules were. And it's frustrating to see that they knew, presumably knew what they were doing wasn't good and risked their teammates and re- risked a lot of other things. So that's so that's number one. Um, 
But number two, I do think that the NHL, this is kind of a strange rule. And it's a weirdly selective rule because as a lot of people have noted, it's not like them being in a hotel room is that much different than them being in a mask or them being on a bench together maskless. And so you're like, well, why is one okay and the other not? And the answer seems to pretty obviously be that one makes the NHL money and the other doesn't. So that's, it's kind of frustrating to see, obviously, the NHL really kind of apply rules when they think it's going to benefit them PR-wise, but not really when you think it's going to be a maximum kind of help. So that's that's the other thing. And then I would also say I think the Caps organization is at least a little bit to blame here, too. Uh, as, as the reporting around this is noted, the Caps were warned, warned about this before, and they were warned about it because they were showed maskless in the in their locker room in a video that the team released. So you're just like, what is going on here? And it's so that's a long winded way of saying I think I'm just kind of frustrated in general at this situation. But I, I don't I don't kind of know what your takes are here. Well, you know, I, I'm. And it's weird because I've personally been relatively isolated consistently since the start of the pandemic. But I, I, I'm actually having trouble getting too bent out of shape of the players congregating in a hotel room with uh, themselves. I mean, yeah. I hadn't read the rules beforehand, and I always kind of just assumed that it was going to be kind of like the bubble when they were on the road. You know, that these guys would kind of just be hanging out in the hotel and they wouldn't really be seeing a lot of people that weren't already on the team. And, you know, at home, they'd be exposed to more people and there'd be more risk. But I thought the road would be relatively uh, free. I mean, these guys are, you know, they're almost in their pods with the rest of their team. And it's just a bit bizarre to me. I mean, so what are they expecting these hockey players to do when they're on the road and they're on the road for longer stretches this season because... Um, you know, the schedule's so weird, right? Sure. So so they're they're gonna go, they're gonna practice, they're gonna go sleep, you know, pregame nap or whatever, they're gonna go to the ring, come back, go back to sleep, and the rest of the time what what are they doing? They're just supposed to sit in their rooms by themselves. I mean, it sounds like that's what the guideline is. Yeah, I mean you would think that like I mean, obviously they they can't have been the first NHL team to have done something kind of in this vein. You figure that it might well have been that the Caps had a COVID exposure and there was contact tracing and then they were kind of caught in this situation. But, you know, at the same time, like, that's frustrating. But you know what? Like, we're all dealing with that, too. So my my sympathy here is it's somewhat limited. I mean, I would like to think that if, if this is the rule and you know that this is the rule, then you figure out kind of creative ways to be able to get some kind of interaction. I don't know if it's via Zoom. I don't know how exactly you want to do it. But uh, my sympathy here is just somewhat limited because we're all having to deal with this. And I, I don't think that the players should necessarily get an exception because they're just on the road. And, you know, I think you can say that maybe the rule doesn't make a, a ton of sense in, in the sense that it's inconsistently applied. But I think we would all agree that having more exposures without masks in the COVID you know, pandemic is not a good thing. So yeah, I just, I, I, I get what you're saying. And I, I kind of agree with you that it's a weird rule, but it's, again, I keep circling back to, it's a weird rule that the Caps knew about. And 
that you, to have four of their really kind of leaders on the team violate this is is frustrating to me. Yeah, I'd be really shocked if this wasn't happening around the league. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I'm if Samson Sonov hadn't tested positive, and it, I mean, this is how it came up uh, relative to the Washington Post article I was reading earlier, the... You know, this all started because of contact tracing with Samsonov, as, as sure. in this this fine, and Ovechkin going to miss four games and Kuznetsov and Orlov. But it, it's just no one. Uh, I, I don't know. This whole thing's tough. But it, it's. I mean, these guys would be then by themselves isolated. A lot of people that are in the pandemic are also with people, even if they're sure. isolated. Well, not Absolutely everybody, fair. but a lot of people. But, I mean, it's not like they can't ever be around people. I mean, like, they're around people for significant portions when you have practices, you have all this. And then, I mean, the, my other thought, kind of, is that this is why you have this rule in place, right? I mean, you have Samsonov, who tests positive and might have exposed other people. And I mean, part of the problem with this, then, is... I mean, really, like, the whole Caps team probably shouldn't be playing, right? Because I mean, Samsonov's been positive he's been on the bench next to these people, like yeah. pretty much the entire team while he ha was testing positive with the coronavirus. So the idea that, you know, it's just kind of a weird situation that like, I, it's hard to say that the caps really should play on Friday because I mean, even if they test negative, they might test pot. Some of the players might test positive again in the future. Well, yeah. And it kind of goes back to what you said. I mean, the reason the NHL probably has the rule in place how they do is so they have something to fall back on yes. and say, oh, the other players are still able to go because they weren't together, you know, in a hotel room. They were yeah. it was only when they were on the bench. But that that that's I don't know. Th th this vein is certainly we could <laughs> talk about like how wrong the Capitals were. As, you know, we could go back and forth on it all day. Maybe but I think it's more interesting uh, to kind of talk about how this affects the team. I mean, the Capitals are, at the time of recording, 2-0-2. Yep. Uh, they lost both games to Pittsburgh, and uh, the first one in the shootout, second one in overtime. And uh, really, the, the the second loss to Pittsburgh was just one of the worst uh, shot-your-foot performances I've seen in a long time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can't believe you would be saying that uh, giving up a five on or a, a goal while you're up on a five on three would be uh, would be tough. I, I don't know what you're talking about there. <laughs> yeah, you know, it. Uh, they gave up a goal while they were shorthanded five on three. They gave up a goal while they were on the five on three power play. So, yeah. Was, and they uh, gave up a goal just on the normal penalty kill and a goal five on five. So there you go. They had the four effecta. The only thing they were missing is the Penguins just getting a normal shorthanded goal against them. Although, yeah. I mean, it's not like the Caps had many power play opportunities for them to even do that with. So well, <laughs> I think the Penguins got six opportunities, six more games to try to do that this year. So yeah, uh, <laughs> certainly, certainly have a chance. That's but true. Gr Greg, what are your kind of, I mean, what are your thoughts here? Because the Caps played okay against Buffalo. They played a, well, a strong first game, kind of a so-so second game. I mean, I, I just feel like we're not seeing a lot of consistently strong hockey so far. No, I, I'll say this. Like, I, I don't think that's just a Caps problem. <laughs> like, you look at Pittsburgh, I, which didn't look particularly good in these games either, I think. So that's number one. I mean, Boston apparently can't score, which I guess when you're without David Pasternak, that'll happen. Uh, but really, I mean, like, you wouldn't say any of the teams in the East uh, have looked particularly great, save for maybe Tampa. So... 
I, I don't think this is just a Caps problem. I think that this is kind of a weird situation, and obviously breaking in a new head coach isn't. This isn't an easy time for that to happen because there's been no preseason. You've had these COVID protocols, and they had a abbreviated training camp, so that's definitely not ideal. At the same time, though, I get kind of where you're drifting at with this question, and I agree. I think they've looked kind of listless. I would say, like they have these periods where they look good and you're like, wow, this is a competent hockey team that maybe could go on a run. And I would say the last game, the first period against the Penguins, they were pretty good. Like Mm -hmm. they really didn't give up much. They, you know, Wilson looks great. Brana looks pretty good. They, you know, they, they were doing things that made a lot of sense and they look kind of like a normal competent hockey team. And then, yeah, you have the second period, which is just bizarre, <laughs> and like they just seem to kind of lose all focus. And then the third and overtime, they didn't look particularly good either. So yeah, it's just weird. It's hard to get a read on it. I mean, the thing you have to say first, and I've said this a lot on Twitter, uh, and when I haven't said it on Twitter, I've gotten myself in trouble, but it is only four games, right? And these are four games that they've looked good in different portions of the four games. So it's not like this team can't put it together at least a little bit. But yeah, I mean, like, they I don't know, Adam, I'm kind of curious what you think, but they just kind of look a little listless right now. That's the word that keeps coming to my head. Well, the, the real thing that I've found interesting is it feels like the Capitals' strong portions of play have all come earlier in games. Yes. And, and I think that that is more interesting because they are the NHL's oldest team. Yeah. Um, and of course it's, you know, they didn't have a training camp or these guys not in the best shape. I mean, when is it going to be more important to kind of have your conditioning than when you're, you know, old and that's kind of where the, yeah. <laughs> where, that's what the capitals are now. I mean, they're an old hockey team and uh, you know, it, it the second periods, you know, the long change. Once that started, they've they've just they mean they've been bad in second periods again. Only four yeah. games, and um, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see if this trend continues as the sample size gets longer. If the Capitals continue to struggle in the second period, I think it will be th- there'll be a lot to look at there. I, I know, kind of. People don't tend to kind of look at analysis by period too, too often, but I think it was interesting with the Capitals a few years ago when we saw kind of the opposite. I believe they were really good in the second period, and they yeah. they, they, they had a bit more kind of offensive skill in that top nine. And, and it took for them seemingly a little bit longer to kind of get into the game a little bit in the first. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and now it's yeah. the opposite. It's it's weird. I mean, and I'll give you another weird thing. Um, all right, can you name me the the in terms of expected goals, the Capitals' best player in terms of expected goals when you adjust for score and and uh, and uh, and uh, score and venue? Can you can you name the the top Capital? Zdeno oh, uh, Chara. No, Evgeny Kuznetsov. Yes. <laughs> So there you go. This has been a weird year already there. And Orlov's one of the worst. So I guess shame on me there. But uh, but anyways, <laughs> I'll, I'll admit when I'm wrong. But, but anyways, uh, at least so far. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I, I hadn't thought about that at first, but it makes some sense. I mean, we're going to want to see what's what it, what it's like after four games, right? Because it... You know, the Caps play, looks like they play Buffalo again. So that's, you know, a team that they should do decently against. And then they play the Islanders after that. And who who knows with them? So, I mean, the Caps have six games in a row at home now. So 
let's see if they can kind of maybe start ramping it up a little bit. Maybe getting last change in some of these second periods will be helpful. But, I mean, I agree with you. And also, man, oh, man, the Caps just look really slow, like, at least during huge portions of the lineup. And I remember first game, I was when, – when you look at the lines, you're like, I, you know, I really like TJ Oshie, Nicholas Backstrom, and Alex Ovechkin – but like, can anyone on that on that first line skate anymore? And like, not really. And so I think that hurt them. And I think that I kind of was with the idea on Laviolette of what he did with the lines yesterday or the last game of at least trying to balance some of the speed and kind of younger players throughout the lineup. I think that was kind of an interesting maneuver. So yeah, I, you know, I think that they kind of just look a little old and slow. And it's uh, we'll see if they could kind of maybe get in a little bit more of a rhythm. Although obviously without your four of your top players, that's going to be a lot harder. Yeah, it is. Uh, I also want to give a shout-out to Tyler Anderson on Twitter. He's been uh, going back and forth with me a lot on this second period. Yeah, he's a good follow, isn't he? Yes, he is. You can follow him at M underscore Miracle Man. There you go. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, he's good. And he also retweets a lot of my stuff, so I'm a little biased. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Always self-serving, Greg. Hey, 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 hey. I think at Japers Rick, we, we had this debate, or not this debate, we, we always, uh, I think at one point the discussion came up of uh, who the most pleasant Twitter follow is, and uh, I think his name was mentioned, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, all right, that, you got me to lose my train of thought there, Greg. Uh, well, when we kind of look back and, and about what's coming down the pipeline here for the Capitals, I mean, how do you think they're going to fare without Ovechkin and these guys in the lineup? Um, I I mean, we're not seeing Carl Haglin step up to provide some offensive depth. I you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I mean, whenever there's a two on, or a three on O, he's the guy you want finishing at the end of that, right? <laughs> but right to the side of the net. <laughs> I mean, I, I like it that we all looked at that. I think we all thought the same thing of, oh, hey, a three on O, that's pretty cool. Like, that almost never happens. And then you look at the players involved and you're like, oh, no, this is not going to end well. And, I mean, not only did, like, Carl Hagelin missed that opportunity. He wasn't particularly close. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, he hit a post or, oh, it was a great save. It was, oh, yeah, he, like, missed it by a lot. So, yeah, that was that was frustrating. Yeah, he, I, I thought he came in with a bit too much speed there. I mean, it's a 3 on 0 They had a lot of space. They probably could have gotten a few more passes in, to be honest. But Almost kind of like Jason Chimera a little bit, you know. Yeah, like, well, that, 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 that's yeah. how I've been thinking about Haglund and describing him recently is he's uh, kind of Jason Chimera, except, but I think Chimera might have scored a few more goals. He did, and, and, and I will say this. I mean, we make fun of Carl Haglund. Carl Haglund is an excellent penalty killer, like legitimately excellent at it. And he's a really good defensive forward. Like, you have to look for it, but it, it's there. So... I mean, and honestly, the Caps' fourth line, I think it's actually looked pretty good so far. So I will make fun of Carl Haglund for his finishing, but, uh, I, you know, he's actually a, a more useful player, I think, than he's getting credit for. I don't know. You, you get paid a lot of money as a forward. You got to you gotta produce a little bit. But, but, I mean, are they paying Carl Haglund? I guess, what are they paying him, like a million five or something? Uh, I think it's more than that. Let's oh, look. Well, all right. Great podcasting. We're going to go look up Everett's contract. Well, I mean, listen, you can't. <laughs> Say it and then not provide the... That's true. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, all right. How much is Carl Hagelin getting paid? Uh, contract. He is... Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. He's getting two, $2,750,000. Ugh. Yeah. That's, that's a little too high for... Yeah. <laughs> and, 
for a skill set that you would like to see under a million and a half. Because I and mean, two more years on that deal. Ugh. And and because here's the other thing, like I mean, the Garnett Hathaway contract, I think he's paid what like a million or a little over that, maybe like a million five or something. That's like a good value contract for the Caps, and you're like, yeah, that's what you should pay a fourth liner, and not two million seven hundred fifty thousand. That's way too high. But anyways, um, all right, I think, but I think you asked me about what this is going to be, what this means for the Caps going forward, at least to the next four games, and. I, I guess I don't really know. We don't really know what the lineup is going to look like. We don't know whether Connor McMichael is going to play. We don't know how the goaltending is going to work between Vanacek and uh, Anderson, although I would say that's probably the area I'm probably I'm most nervous in because, man, oh, man, like the, uh, it, it, the Vanacek didn't look great, I think, last night. And I think Craig Anderson is probably done so at this point in his career. So, yeah, that's that's not great. Um, I would say the other parts of it, though, might be okay. Like, I mean, you lose Orlov, that sucks. But the Caps have, like, a million defenders who I think can, you know, they can kind of make that work. So, obviously, we'll presumably we'll see Siegenthaler in the lineup. Presumably, uh, we might see TVR at some point. We're going to maybe see Chara get bumped up, which I'm not in love with. But, you know, that, that's probably going to be how that would work for Laviolette. Um so I think blue line-wise, it's okay. I mean, obviously losing Kuznetsov and Ovechkin is really hard, particularly because I think Kuznetsov actually had been off to kind of a decent start for the year shot share-wise. So a little bit of a bummer there to see that go off. And uh, yeah, I just like I just don't know. I don't know whether they're going to put Connor McMichael in. I don't know kind of what the downstream effects of that are going to be. I, I mean, that being said, I don't think Ovechkin's looked great this year, but whenever you're without your kind of heart and soul, that's going to be really tough. So... I think that's a long way of saying I'm just not really sure. Uh, The fact that the Caps are at home for this whole stretch, I think, is helpful. Uh, But, yeah, yeah, like, I guess Buffalo is a team you want to play while you figure this out. But this definitely isn't ideal. What I will say, though, is it's not just the Caps that are dealing with injuries and and stupid COVID-related kind of absences. I, you look at the Penguins, they just lost uh, Marcus Pedersen for quite a while. The Flyers just lost a couple of key pieces and the Bruins are still without a couple of their key players. So yeah, I guess like if, if this is going to happen, get it over with now. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely not ideal. So Greg, what's going to happen with Connor McMichael here? What do you, what do you, I, I can't imagine a better time to get a guy like him some minutes. So and the news right with Connor McMichael is that he is now out of isolation and on the taxi squad. So I think we had expected this, frankly. I I remember I talked to Samantha Pell about this and before the year, and she had said, yeah, like that's Connor McMichael's going to be on the taxi squad. And you would think that they would promote him, although we don't have any indication that that's happened so far. So, I mean, I would like to see him in the lineup and get big minutes. And the reason why is why not, right? Like, I mean, the Caps just lost two of their best scoring players. They have a lineup that doesn't have a lot of scoring depth. So give the kid a shot. And I mean, like, if he plays terrible, just put him on the fourth line or something, you know, like this doesn't, and you can, you can end the experiment after a couple of games if he's obviously not NHL ready. But Adam, we've, we've talked about this and I know that your hockey graphs community is all over this, but NHL players these days, like when players come into the NHL, they're just ready much faster than we think they are. And that their peaks are a lot younger than you think they would be. So I like I, I mean, is it is maybe Connor McEnkel not NHL ready? I mean, that's definitely a possibility, but why not try to figure that out, no? 
Yeah, I mean, if the team puts him in a spot where he can succeed, and in my mind, that's certainly the top nine role. And with these guys out, I think it's got to be a top six role. Yeah. Uh, These players can do a lot of good stuff um, if if they're surrounded by, you know, the right type of talent. And I think um, he could have that if he gets in the lineup right now. So. I, I'm they put him with like Oshi and I don't know, like someone else defensively responsible, and maybe you know, kind of ease him in that way or something. You know, like defense is whatever. Like let's not. <laughs> <laughs> like defense is obviously super important, but the guy's a forward and he's gonna he's got to score. Like what's gonna set him up is and what will give him the confidence to succeed will be points, and then the defense will come. I I, I am a such a firm believer in kind of the impact that confidence has on these young players. And the the way that most of these guys end up succeeding is just having a coach that puts confidence in them. Um, I mean, do we think Laviolette's that coach? Is the real question. I, I don't know. I don't know if he's that guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think when I had Adam Vingan on, and he we were talking about kind of how we did with young players. Uh, he liked to point a little bit to Philip Forsberg as a guy that um, was still kind of breaking into the league when Laviolette came along, and then kind of became uh, a real kind of offensive talent for Nashville. So. Um, we know that all too well, don't we? <laughs> we do. And I'm not quite sure that uh, McMichael is going to end up as good as uh, Philip Forsberg. But if he is, that, that will certainly be a, a huge boon to the Capitals. So. Yes. And that might extend the window a little bit because uh, this is – I know we all talk about the Caps window, but like a, I think we're starting to see the uh, – maybe the twilight towards the, towards the night. Of it, I would say it'll be the the daylight analogy I'll use for a window, which isn't at all a daylight thing, but whatever. Uh, yeah. So that's <laughs> why, why not why not give it a shot? Yeah, we're only four games in, but it's uh, look, it, it, the Capitals aren't looking like barn burners here, and I think I think every you know everyone that's watched the game so far probably feels that way too. Um, and, and you know there, there's a good chance that they could be coming out of this uh, four games without these guys at at two two and four or, or something like that. So. Yeah. It's and sad. I mean, I, I mean, what I will say is like the fact that the Penguins don't look particularly good and the Bruins haven't looked particularly great so far. That's a big deal. And I mean, like it maybe buys the Caps a little bit of room because they only need to be in the top four, but I, they just can't throw away games. And I think JP on the site was saying this, had an article about this earlier that I like when you have games where you have like an 80, 70, 80 percent shot of winning, according to puck money, then you got to You got to find a way to get those two points. Yeah, I believe he said that the Capitals have blown more leads after one period uh, already this young season than they did in the entire 2018 Stanley Cup winning season. So oh, there you go. That's, uh... and not yeah. promising. <laughs> no, yeah, and they were at, at I believe, a 90% chance when the five-on-three started against Pittsburgh. So, not great. Uh, but the, Greg, I mean, that, that we kind of went over the important key points. I have nothing else that I really want to get off my chest. Um, you know, the, there's a lot of kvetching we could continue to do about what we've seen from this team and God, what we have to expect to see when we turn on the TV here. Mm. Um, <laughs> but do you have any other thoughts? Anything else you'd like to focus on? No, I mean, I, I will say the the Caps blue line is something I'm going to be interested in. Uh, they've been they've actually kept the pairs basically exactly the same for the first four games, which I think is defensible. But obviously now with Orlov being out, that's going to create a cascading effect. So I'll be interested to see who they put with Carlson, whether it is going to be Chara or 
you know, what they kind of see there. I mean, maybe you put Jensen in again, although I think we've seen pretty mixed success there. So I'll be interested to see that. And uh, obviously we talked about McMichael already. So that'll be, I think, kind of just interesting to see exactly what happens there. Yeah, it will be. Um, I have no idea where the defense defense pairings are going to go. But Greg, thank you for uh, taking the time today. Appreciate it. Anytime. And I'm always here for Japers Rink Radio. It's, uh... And Adam, what should people do if they like this podcast? Well, I was getting there, Greg, but what they should oh. really do is they should <laughs> leave a five-star review. If they search back and see some of the old reviews and, you know, you want to give Greg a hard time. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> give give Greg a hard time so his friends can always, whenever, whenever he's in the group chat, always t- Text the the photo of the uh, of the Greg Young iTunes review. That's, uh, <laughs> you can do that. That's totally fine. <laughs> uh, go go. The big thing, guys, is just to uh, go go check out the Japers Rink website. Um, follow myself on Twitter at StringMA. Follow Greg at ooh, Greg Young underscore Jr. Is that correct? That, Greg? Uh, Greg Y underscore Jr. You Greg you were right y. there. Yeah, that was they, close. That was off the top of my head. That, that was nicely not, done. Nicely done. You get a you get a gold star there. Well, I don't usually plug the other people. I usually let you know let them do it. But I figured I, we'd try to wrap this bad boy up. But we we, we figured it out. Um, thank you all for listening, and we look forward to talking to you guys again soon.